I'm excited to uh, join here today with uh, my friend Perry Delelce, and I'm saying it properly the Italian way because when you're in our business, you're supposed to say it properly, although more commonly known as Delice. So the, the... As you should. Delelce is correct. <laughs> and Perry, I knew you would have that expectation of me, so I wanted to make sure I set the record straight from the get-go. <laughs> Uh, so, Perry, uh, on that note, tell us a little bit about you, including the, the last name, because my bet is the family is uh, of uh, Calabrese origin or Abruzzo, perhaps. But the the uh, but really about a little bit about you and your upbringing and uh, sort of Perry know the successful lawyer and businessman that they see on Bay Street. But uh, everyone has their beginnings. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And you're you're correct. It is Abruzzo. Uh, my 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 father's family's from there, uh, and they immigrated much like uh, many other Italians. And uh, I guess the immigration officers uh, decided to pronounce the name differently. It was actually spelled differently as well. It was D E L L apostrophe uppercase E L C E. So it is Delelce. Uh, but anyways, it got anglicized or francophone to Delice uh, many years ago in Sudbury. Uh, my grandparents worked in the mines up north. And uh, I grew up in Sudbury. Uh, it's my hometown. We still um, visit there regularly. We still have family there. We're involved in the community there as well. Um, but, uh, you know, grew up in a middle-class family that uh, uh, typical Italians, construction and real estate and restaurants. And uh, that was my family background. Uh, then went to university, always with a goal. Uh, my mother instilled it in me to become a lawyer. And uh, I became a lawyer, uh, took a while, uh, didn't get there uh, the normal route. I had to uh, do a graduate degree in between and write the LSAT five times, but I finally got in. Um, and then uh, loved the stock market, I always did, always found it interesting. And so decided to be a corporate uh, securities lawyer. And um, it took some time. And uh, the only place that you could do that is Toronto, really. You can't do it in, I shouldn't say you can't do it in Calgary, Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver. But uh, being from Sudbury and closer to Toronto and Sudbury, um, I decided to stay in Toronto and built my career uh, here. And uh, Perry, the, I think that's a, a great summary, but also provides some perspective for anyone that, that doesn't know you too well in terms of the, the path. Thank you. Uh, so I'll go back a bit more to that uh, in a moment. But you mentioned your mother. Um, so certainly I imagine she had a, a, an impact. One of the questions I like to ask here is who had the biggest impact on your life growing up? And then perhaps even from a professional career as well. Well, certainly, certainly my, my uh, parents, both of them, my father was an entrepreneur uh, and a very strong-willed, um, sort of stubborn Italian uh, and uh, a typical, um, the typical stereotype that you could uh, envision. And uh, uh, his hard work and his uh, uh, attitude about never say no is, you know, really is what drove me. And he continued to be that way until, he, you know, he passed at the age of 82. Uh, um, my mother um, was, uh, she grew up in a family business as well. And it was a family business where um, the, the girls, the daughters, there was five of them, weren't allowed to go to school past high school. And they were told to work in the family business. And so that drove my mother to always push me to get an education. And she was always felt that she was uh, 
um, unfairly treated, although accepted it. I think in that day and age they did, um, sadly, and uh, decided for me that there was no choice, but like it was never an option not to go to university for me. And uh, she instilled that in me. Um, and I went and uh, became, you know, luckily a lawyer, uh, but with her grounding in education as well. And so those are the two biggest influences from that perspective, for sure. Um, and I would say also the influence, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll discuss it, but I do a fair bit of uh, community involvement and work and uh, in the not-for-profit world. And most of that is focused on education. Uh, and that's partly because of my mother. And just in a very normal middle-class family was denied education uh, or further education because of cultural biases or attitudes that were of that age. And um, so I always believe that everyone, if they have, we should provide the opportunity for everyone to be educated. Now, we sometimes don't end up uh, doing what we think we want to do growing up. What did you want to be growing up? Did you uh, always know you wanted to be a lawyer uh, or did that evolve? No, for as long as I, I, I can remember, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I always thought I would be, um, you know, in the likes of Tories, Steichmans, Davies, Wall Street, Bay Street, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, RBC, Dominion Securities. Um, I always thought that that's where I would end up. I mean, obviously, when you're younger and a teenager, you don't know those brand names. Uh, but as I uh, grew up and went through university um, and became more educated, more experienced, I always thought and dreamed, I guess, that I would be uh, employed and lead those sorts of organizations. It, it didn't happen. <laughs> Well, the, the, it may have not been those organizations, but certainly a, a comparable. So. Oh, well, thank you. I, I like to think so. We got a lot of work to do, but we continue to compete with the best of the best. And uh, Perry, I know we talk a lot about the business front, but um, tell me a little bit about your hobbies. I know you do a lot on the not-for-profit side, et cetera, but what do you do for fun? I know you enjoy travel, but I feel like there's hobbies that people don't know about. Well, I mean, there were a lot more hobbies uh, until you have uh, children and then your your hobbies become their their joys. And um, so uh, I, uh, I I spend uh, and as much time as possible with my family, and my children. They're both older now. One's, you know, in grade 12 and the other one's in university. So that's becoming less and less. So I do think, you know, hobbies, as you put it, will will become more uh, part of our life. I think more travel will be part of it. Um, like I don't have a hobby like, um, you know, collecting coins or whatever I did when I was a kid, but I, I don't have those sorts of hobbies. I would say travel, certainly enjoy reading. Um, and um, and uh, I play golf and I'm a big basketball fan, a big Raptors fan. So um, that will become, well now Raptors tends to be with my family. Uh, but I will start golfing more now as, as uh, you have more free time on the weekends. So, Perry, I know we touched a little bit on the course of your career, and certainly a lot of our uh, listeners are curious. How did Perry become the very successful lawyers uh, that founded World of Boards, at least as your cup indicated? Uh, the For anyone that listens to this as audio only, uh, World of Boards, LLP, or uh, for the ones that want to pronounce the last name correctly, World of Boards, LLP. <laughs> But it's how, how did what was that path like, uh, Perry? Yeah, so 
you know, I was a, I was a articling student at Steichman Elliott. Um, I did not get hired back. And, uh, you know, those of you that understand or know how the legal industry works, you summer for a law firm and then you article for a law firm. And uh, if you do well, you get hired back. And if you don't, um, then you look for another job or do whatever you have to do. And um, so I didn't get hired back. And I, as I said earlier, I wanted to be involved in the stock market. I liked the stock market and I wanted to be a lawyer. So um, myself and Rob Wildebor and three others, Eric Apps, Susan Thompson and Cliff Rand, the five of us, uh, they were all at Steichman Elliott um, and uh, I didn't get hired back. And the five of us decided to start a firm on our own. And it was that simple. Um, young, enthusiastic, and probably not really concerned about risk. Um, just thought that we could do it. And so we did it. February 1st, 1993, 30 years ago, uh, we hung up our shingle on First Canadian Place and started the firm. Um, really, it's that simple. I mean, certain events happened. Uh, one of my partners was uh, passed over for partnership. I wasn't hired back. Um, but none of it had anything to do with an anti-Stikeman Elliott view. Uh, we still have a great relationship with that firm. In fact, they're one of the firms I admire the most. Um, it was just wanting to do something on our own uh, and outside the confines of a large downtown law firm. And what a great success story it has been. Uh, but I think the lesson for big firms may be really rethink who who, who is hired back because I'm sure Stegmans would have liked to keep you as part of the organization. <laughs> so. Well, you know, I mean, I revisit that often and every time I uh you know work with our students and obviously we make higher back decisions as well uh you know in your heart that you don't have enough time and enough experience with that student to make a real decision positive or negative um you know it's it's very early in one's career it's also uh very much a judgment call on limited experience and uh that goes right from when we hire summer students till they become uh, or get to the end of their articling and become a, um, a lawyer. I mean, you really never know for sure, uh, but in the fullness of time, it works out. And, you know, legal education is a, a, is a great education and applicable in many careers and in many ways as you go through your life. So it's never a waste. And the time that you spend or a student spends as a summer student and an articling student is also a great experience. And, and whether you, you or a student succeeds at that firm or at another, um, it's all very positive. And uh, I mean, I didn't feel that way the moment I didn't get hired back, you know, 31 years ago. But, uh, you know, in the fullness of time, you realize that all these experiences are enriching, educational and, and valuable. And I think this is the key that we have to consider, Perry, at the end of the day, it's the takeaways from it. Now, all of this didn't happen overnight. The success took a lot of hard work. Uh, what were some of the pivotal moments? In, so certainly the, the, the starting the firm, but what led to some of the success that you have achieved to date? Um, I remember being there at your 20th anniversary party uh, with Cardinal Official coming and then the 30th anniversary. So sort of seeing the evolution later in uh, post-founding, but what are some of the key uh, pieces to the success? Well, I mean, you know, like you like to think there is a, you know, a, an aha moment where 
you know, everything kind of falls into place, but it's really building blocks over building blocks. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, it's certainly certain files when we first got retained by a bank, uh, like I think it was RBC, that was a big deal. When we first got on the approved list of a bank, that was a big deal. Um, you know, it took us 25 years to get on approved lists. And, you know, some of our younger lawyers are very frustrated and like, why can't we do some of the big deals that other, our colleagues are doing at the other firms? Well, because it takes 25 years to, or 20 years or 15 years to get on these approved lists. And, you know, our competition has been around since Confederation. I mean, some of them incorporated the banks. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's, it's really a day-to-day building the foundation. Certainly our first IPO, which was Leach Technology, uh, we were on uh, for the underwriters. That was a big success. Uh, that was a, a big deal to have our name on our pers- prospectus for the first time. Uh, we took RIM, now BlackBerry Public. Uh, that was a very uh, big deal and one that we could sell off of. The same was true for Open Text. We were on for the underwriters in that one. So there's a few key um, uh, moments in our past that, that you remember the Hollinger file when every firm in the city was on that. And we were on that, we were on the, you know, the, the Toronto stock exchange takeover by Maple. I mean, there's certain transactions that stick out in your mind. Um, you know, I mean, including into the days of marijuana and crypto, where we were on some of the largest, most, uh, you know, notorious deals. Uh, but, um, it really is day to day grinding it out, providing excellent customer service, uh, building a referral network, hiring great students, hiring great lawyers, uh, watching them evolve into becoming great partners and servicing our clients. I think that what I'm most proud of through it all is that we've never stopped enjoying ourselves. There's been a lot of challenges. It's been some difficult days, weeks, months, but overall, it's a pretty fun place to work. And, and it's a pretty fun place to spend time. And I think that uh, we stay true to that and, and we continue to, to live that way. And when I say fun, uh, let me be clear, we do have fun, like we do have parties, we do have events, uh, but fun also means respectful, uh, inclusive and an enjoyable work uh, environment, a safe work environment, uh, a transparent work environment, one that, that people feel comfortable being in and look forward to being there um, on a regular basis. And so uh, we, 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 we had that vibe at the very beginning. I mean, I, I, you know, like this whole idea of a respectful environment is not new to us. You know, we made some mistakes. We weren't perfect and we've refined it and continue to refine it. Um, but, but I think that you know, from the start, it always came from a good place to let's have a, a nice, kind and fun place to work. And, and I can definitely appreciate that, uh, Perry, the, the, and it really means a lot uh, to the marketplace as well and great recruitment tool as well when people care and, and put this level of effort because it's not about perfection, certainly, but it's about learning and pivoting as you go through it, which, which the firm seems to have done really well over the years. Um, Thank you. I'm I'm going to to pivot a little bit to you personally because you are one of the people that that I see as the master business developers. <laughs> uh, multiple lunches, sometimes two dinners at one time. Uh, the uh, probably uh, I would not be surprised if there are days where you have 15 meetings in one day. <laughs> uh, There's a lot. Yeah. So how do you do it all? 
Well, I mean, you know, um, you can't, I kind of had to, right? Like when you start up, like with all due respect to my colleagues, many were worried about learning the law. I, I think I learned some of the law, not as much as others, but I mean, I was worried about making payroll. Um, so um, I, myself and my partners, we had to focus on business development. You know, I'm naturally a social guy. Um, and so uh, to spend time meeting people and spending time with them and enjoying uh, a nice dinner or lunch was, was, was something that I viewed as a very positive um, activity and something I liked and wanted to do. So it wasn't a, ever a challenge to me. It does get busy when you have too many events or too many commitments at the same time. Uh, but I view it as my work. I view it as, as something I have to do. And, uh, and ultimately in business development, uh, there's a number of ways to do it. But my, and, and, and they're all valid activities for business development, whether it be publishing or speaking at conferences or um, attending events or advertising and marketing, obviously being a superior, great lawyer. Uh, but my, I, to me, it always comes back to numbers. Uh, and uh, I always say, you know, by the time you meet someone, you're lucky if you get a fee paid in 18 months from the day you meet that person. And you have to meet not one person, you have to meet multiple people. It's a numbers game. It is 10, 15, 20 to one before you get a file. And, and it's a continuous hustle. And, and that's just the way I've, I've done it over the years. So you're right, it'd be multiple coffee meetings, uh, a lunch, a dinner, a charitable event, uh, all in the same day. Um, and then you try and respond to emails and do any work you need to do in a file. I'm fortunate. I have great partners and uh, great lawyers around me that, that, that do a lot of the work um, and, and are great at it, uh, which allows me the opportunity to do more client development than most. Uh, we've built it that way, not just for me, but for others. And uh, um, it's a big part of our firm. We instill client development uh, activities and a mindset in all of our lawyers and our staff and our firm um, uh, because we have to compete and we compete with the biggest and the best. So we have to always have our client development hat on. And I certainly do. And on that front, Perry, what advice would you have for young lawyers uh, as they come into this space, whether they're in a smaller firm, bigger firm, whether they're looking to go in-house? what would be some key takeaways that you tell them? Here's uh, what I did well. Here's perhaps what I could have done differently uh, as I have gone through my career. So there's 300 business days in a year. Okay. I do 1200 non-client meetings a year. Okay. So what does that mean? Um, a coffee with uh, a, a friend from law school, a drink with a friend from Sunnybrook Hospital, which is a charity I'm actively involved in, uh, a meeting with a young lawyer that wants advice, doing a podcast with Gary. None of these people are my clients, but they might be, and they all have networks of their own. And, and so you don't need to be uh, doing these meetings on a, with clients only. It's being out there, being in front of people, and if you, I, this is, I'm giving you my view on becoming a great client development person. Um, you need to balance that with learning the law and practicing law and, you know, honing your legal skills for sure. 
But um, if you do, and I say I do a lot, that's 1200 meetings a year. Um, that's, that's more than than most, I'm sure. But if you do one or two a day, be a 20 minute coffee and a 20 minute coffee in the afternoon and one in the morning. And you do that every day, five days a week, or in this world, unfortunately, three days a week, I, I trust me, you will have a book of business um, in in due course, uh, that will make you a very much a very successful client development uh, entrepreneur. And that's my view. It's a numbers game. And you got to be out there and you got to hustle it. And you can't be like, you can't wait for your buddy um, from law school to become a CEO, and then call him or her, uh, or a general counsel. And then call, you've got to build that up over the course of a career. And it takes five or 10 years, but 10 or 15 years now, you know, after 30 years, most of my friends, a lot of my friends are becoming, you know, general counsels, CEOs, VP, you know, business development, CFOs, those people are now hiring lawyers directly. And, and so now we are getting calls, I'm getting calls at that level. And as is our firm as as are my partners, because it takes a career to continue to nurture and build those contacts. And, and that's my view. Now, I did it without a brand, right? So uh, we built a brand. Uh, I don't know how if if it's truly a brand yet, but we built it from the from scratch. It, it, many people start with a brand like a Tories or Davies or Steichmans, Goodmans. Those are great brands and, and that helps. And you get different meetings and you get more contacts. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's an individual game from a client development standpoint. And if you want to expand beyond the brand and create your own client development contacts, uh, my view is that's what you have to do. And, and that's not to, that's not to exclude speaking and publishing and, and charitable work and, and teaching at law schools, teaching at universities. That's not to exclude any of that. It's just my view and what I have done. Well, and Perry, the, and I, I asked that with a, with a reason and, and expecting some of this answer because I get that a lot talking to young lawyers. And as you know, I've sort of been through a similar path myself. You start without a brand and you're trying to build a business. So there's no way around to being omnipresent, uh, really being out there and, and having these conversations. But I hear that a lot from young lawyers saying, well, look, I'm expected to bill. I don't have time to do these things. And so my advice is always, look, you have to find the time because otherwise the, the, how are you differentiating yourself from everyone else is learning the law by just billing. So uh, it's, it's called sacrifice, Gary, right? Yeah, that's what it is, right? You got to put in your billable time, your docketed time, and you got to find time to do the client development. It's, it's that simple. And, 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 and if you don't want to sacrifice, then, that's fine too. Yeah, you, you'll you'll just have a different path. It's it's not bad. It's it's not better. It's not worse. It's just it's just it's it's different, for sure. And you don't get to sit front row at the Raptors without some sacrifice. I think anyone will tell you. <laughs> uh, that that that's that's a that's an interesting comment, but it, it's a fair comment. And however you view the luxuries uh, in life uh, or the benefits of a hard work, um, these things do come uh, with hard work and sacrifice. No, and, and I think it's it's a very important takeaway. Um, and Perry, I know we touched a couple of times on some of the not-for-profit involvements, and um, you, you've been on several boards from Sunnybrook to the Olympics, uh, and then obviously some boards that are more uh, 
for 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 profit like uh, the Neo Exchange, etc. But now SIBO. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, sort of what that landscape looks like and what advice you would have for any of the listeners in terms of getting involved. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we we spoke uh, briefly about uh, client, not briefly about client development, and I well, I I didn't get involved in not-for-profits and charitable work before client development. It's by far uh, the most important uh, element of my client development. Um, y- y- first of all, you have to have a cause that you believe in, and 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 because then you'll do it with your heart, and you're doing it for free. So you, you got to love it and you got to believe in it. Um, the second thing is, is that um, it's like anything else. You don't, you don't start uh, at a hospital or at the Canadian Olympic Committee or uh, a university and go right on the board. You need to, you know, you need to do the basics. You need to lick the envelopes in a mail campaign. Um, you need to, you know, show up at events and work the front door. Uh, it takes time. And it's no different than any other hierarchy or organization. And uh, for me, um, to be honest, I didn't want to leave university. I, I love being a student and I just simply wanted to stay involved. And I, I, if I could have stayed a student for my then for my entire life, I would have. And so I said, well, how can I keep, make this last? So I decided to get involved in universities and my, you know, my three universities. In addition to that, I, um, uh, I believe and always have believed that education is the great equalizer. If you educate people, uh, you can solve the problems of the world. And, uh, um, so that in combined with, you know, really wanting to stay as a student and, and continue to have fun, excuse me for one sec. Just on an interview. Sorry, you can exclude that. My someone just came in the door. <laughs> All good. Um, I had yeah. to know that earlier. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, so you know, I combined all that to to starting to work uh, at Western University initially in fundraising and volunteer work, and then the the head of of the university, then the VP Development and Alumni Affairs, became CEO at Sunnybrook. Sunnybrook Foundation and called me and said, would you like to get involved? Uh, my mother had just passed away from cancer. So they asked me to chair the cancer campaign. And, and I did. And I was able to be an asset. And we were successful in raising money for the cancer uh, center. And, um, and one thing led to another. I, I can tell you that I, I, I both brought my clients into that effort. And I also uh, met a lot of people who became clients. And that wasn't by design, it just happened. I mean, if you show hard work, quality work and care for a charity, people notice. And, and then they'll say, imagine if I hired that person as my lawyer, my accountant, my doctor, my investment banker. And that's literally what happened. Um, and so you do a good job in one, they assume you can do a good job in another. And, and it just builds day in and day out over time. And that's so critical, Perry, from doing 1,200 non-billable or non-client meetings a year to showing up and doing a good job at every aspect, then people see it as, as a level of competence that can apply all across. Sure. And don't forget, there's a lot of crossover between all of that, right? Of there's, there, there's like, you know, you're meeting someone from a 
uh, alumni from one of your universities. Well, they're not a client, but you're both doing charitable work and you're also, you know, expanding your network, which ultimately helps build your business. A hundred percent. So Perry, the, I'm going to go to a, 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 what we call a quick uh, uh, rapid fire questions uh, on the podcast. And this is just one word answers, whatever comes first thing that comes to mind. What is your favorite word? Fun. What word do you hate? Hate. That was my answer when, because uh, I was the first one to be interviewed for this podcast, just to lead by example. Uh, what word do you have a hard time pronouncing, if any? Uh, that's a that's a, a good one. Um, you don't have to have one. It's uh, I don't have one, but I'm sure yeah, there are many. That's good. <laughs> what is your favorite word in another language, if any? Uh, buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> I love it. Good, good start to the morning that way. Uh, how many languages do you speak, Perry? I, I obviously speak English and I can get by in French and Italian. Excellent. And what's one word to describe yourself? Uh, happy and fun. How's that? I'll take both. I, I, you know, and I'll agree, I'll agree with both. <laughs> You're both got one word. So, and Perry, the uh, you know, I I had so many more questions I wanted to ask you, and and uh, it just really means we're going to have to do an encore uh, sometime down the road. Uh, the it's it's uh, I know there were a lo- was a lot of well packed business advice here for all our listeners. So I really appreciate you making the time to join me today. Well, thank you, Gary, and uh, notwithstanding my technical technological inabilities. Um, and frustration. Uh, it's been a complete uh, joy and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, anytime I can help and, and your, your service and the business that Alexa Translations does, we don't go anywhere else. Um, you guys are the best and uh, uh, credit to you for building a great business as well. So, uh, and it's a great partnership we have. Thank you. And thank you, Perry. That's a powerful endorsement. <laughs> well, best of luck. I'm sure we'll see you on the street or at a, somewhere, one at some event somewhere. Thank you. A hundred percent. You're omnipresent.